All right, here we go. Welcome to the Teaching a Rockstar podcast. And on today's episode, man, I'm fired up for this one. A-Train. A-Train Lanier, baby. I love it. So let me tell you some background on this. So I was bumping around, I believe it was on the Facebooks, and um, Heather Patterson, Pink Patterson, posted something from Polly Ryan. And and there's this guy wrecking the mic, and kids are jumping up and down. I'm thinking, what is happening with this? And then, I'm, like a few a few days later, I'm looking around on history, some Instagram, and I see Zen Klein, and then he'd seen with my friends over Teague. Thinking, who is this guy? <laughs> and then here's the other. So, the, but, but then I started looking at him because I've taught so many students over the years. I'm like looking in this kid's eyes, and I can say kid because I'm old. And <laughs> and I'm looking, and I can see like he has this crazy look of compassion, right, and love. And and here and here's what I know based on my experience. Like he had, like I could tell there's a story. Like you can't have that kind of compassion without having to live through something. Like you can't fake that. So I figured, man, I got to talk to this guy and see what's going on behind all that and behind the music and the speaking and see what he has going on. Here we go. Teaching a Rockstar podcast, Austin A-Train Lanier. Let's do this. Let's do it. All right, man. So let, let me start off with this. So, so uh, <laughs> check this out. So you're coming over, right? And I, uh, I, I messaged my friend Diane. She is a counselor over at Teague. Mm. And I said, hey, Diane, check it out. Guess who's coming over? And she says, who? And I sent her a link to the Instagram of you with all the kids around you at Teague. Everybody's jumping oh up and down. Oh, my goodness. In the cafeteria. That yeah. was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so it gets better. So she goes, she says, OMG, wow, our kids love that guy. I wow. said, yeah, I'm pretty excited. She goes, yeah, he broke our table. <laughs> <laughs> that was not my fault, man. There was teachers on the tables, man. Look. <laughs> But I thought that was a great time. Anytime, amazing. Anytime, some furniture's getting broken. That's not a bad day. There's some learning <laughs> going on. Did something right. Yeah. Every day that goes by where there's not furniture broken, I just I can't sleep well. Could have been a better day. Could have been a better day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So let me ask you this, dude. So here's I want to go way back, and um, and so when like when you're growing up and you're in school, you're doing an elementary school thing, and. Uh, for you, what was school like when 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 you think back to like elementary, second, third, fourth grade, and you think about teachers and your classrooms? Were, were at that point when 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 you were a kid, were you feeling successful and you were into it? No, man. Actually, I was the opposite. Um, so school for me has been different. Uh, I was diagnosed with ADHD at six years old, so I um, at that early age started taking medication, and um, and I didn't really understand that whole process of taking medication and. You know, I fought with my parents a lot every single day before school because I hated taking the uh, taking that pill, which is part of my story that I share in in the schools of how I, I believe I first lost my identity um, at that early age, man. And I thought my parents didn't love me the way that I was. I thought that my teachers didn't love me the way that I was. I thought I was a mistake uh, because there's something wrong with me. They want me to take this pill to change me. So I fought with my mom and dad every single morning before school. So by the time I got to school, first, second, third grade, I was just in a terrible attitude, me, me against the world mentality. So, uh, no, school was was very rough for me. I mean, academically, I was excelling. You know, I just had so much energy. My behavior was always a problem in school. Yeah, so, yeah. And so, so even at that time, could could you feel that that pill was changing your personality? Absolutely, man. I mean, I've taken. Oh, I can't even name all the ones from Ritalin, Vivance, Concerta, Adderall. Uh, man, I, I just the list goes on and on of, of different ones that I've taken, and each one of them would have different side effects. I remember there'd be some that I would take that turn me into a zombie, where I just would be blah all day, and then there'd be ones where I couldn't eat anything at lunch. You know, I couldn't eat, and it's just kind of you know back and forth, man. So yeah, it was it was a frustrating time for me. Man, that you know that zombie effect—that's the one that really um, concerns me. And here's why: like I get it. I get it, especially as a teacher, because you got 32 kids in your class, and one of them's you, and you count for like 12. So you <laughs> yeah, really, sure. so really, you got 44. <laughs> yeah, but but here's here's what here's what concerns me is um, when 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 we zombify a kid, you know, it brings that energy level and and all the, the the speed of the thought, it brings it way down to that kind of that medium range. But here's what I don't that here's what really bothers me is in the trough. 
when the kid has real challenges and he's really struggling, what it also does, it brings him up. So it keeps him right there. And it, so the kid doesn't really learn how to deal with challenges and all that, those serious, negative, darker emotions when, when that, that should, cause you're supposed to feel a little pain when you're, you know, second and third grade. So you can deal with that and disappointment and learn how to deal with it. But a lot of those kids, because they're kept right in that middle area, don't, don't, don't get to experience that. Yeah. It makes sense. That concerns me. All right, so you so man, you're you're doing your thing, but you're okay academically. Yeah, but but you're getting notes written home and phone oh, yeah. calls. I was ahead academically. I mean, I always in the math and the multiplication times tables, all that. I mean, I was always like the first in class, you know. But I, my parents say maybe I was getting bored, you know, because I was academically excelling. I was in talented and gifted classes growing up, always in the AP and the you know accelerated classes. But I, my behavior was just always <laughs> off. Yeah. We, but probably I don't get the, I don't get the feeling you're a bad kid. You're just a lot of kid. Yeah, <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> just a lot that. of boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. But like you weren't being you weren't like mean and beating people up and taking lunch money. You were just no, no, no. It was never that, man. It was always just a. It was always just lack of identity based. So like a lot of uh, performance, a lot of me wanting to convince other people to love me. So that was lashing out. That was a uh, you know disrupting class, making other people laugh. Class clown was one of the biggest ones, you know. Um, and then and then also you know growing up the way that I grew up you know I dealt with a little bit of racism you know my best friends have been black my whole life so growing up being a white boy white people think I'm trying to be black black people think I'm trying to be black you know so I had to deal with some racism stuff as well um, but nah man it was never just me going out my way to try to find somebody to be mean it was no it was always just trying to earn people's love yeah and then so and it was was it was that here in Texas. No, uh, born and raised in Newport News, Virginia, all the way on the East Coast, man. I did. All right. So you're in Virginia and all this is going on. And um, when when you hit like junior high and your teenage years and now you're like you're going through puberty and, all, and things are now is this point where things get really crazy or is it is getting better? Yeah, well, um, um, kind of and both of them, actually. It, it got a little bit better in the sense of physically I started playing sports and got really heavy into athletics, which is another, like I share this part of my story as well when I go into schools about how I started achieving things uh, that I wanted. So I was always driven to just be popular. I wanted everybody to love me and wanted to, you know, wanted to be well known and ex felt, ex you know, feel accepted. So uh, I started playing soccer when I was in middle school and then I, I was trash when I first started playing, but then I just really dedicated myself to be getting better. And by the time I was a, a freshman, you know, I was traveling to England and, you know, playing overseas and stuff. But um, during those middle school years, uh, even though I was, you know, athletically stepping up and, and stepping into a nice role there, my identity was still missing. I still didn't know who I was. So uh, I was getting into a, a level up of trouble from elementary school. Now I'm starting to mess around with girls during school and I'm sneaking around and I'm doing, you know, more uh, more inappropriate things. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, as I get older. So and it was still all just a seek seeking validation from, for me. So yeah yeah and then at this point so um it's at, at some point in high school uh but by, hey i'm curious though like you got the athletic thing happening but at this point you know girls are coming to the picture and, and the and you know in other stuff and in at this point are your grades dropping or are you still not able yet to, right. <laughs> not yet no so my grades <laughs> i'm still doing good you know i've been because of you know i guess my my ability to just kind of pick things up rather quickly i'd say um I didn't really have to study too much throughout middle school and even my, my freshman year, you know, I'm taking AP classes. I'm kind of just doing enough just to get by. Get If I'm getting B's, a couple B's, a couple A's, then I'm good. You know what I mean? So yeah. that, that's where I was at. I was chilling. I wasn't getting C's and D's never throughout school, middle school. Um, I was all, it was pretty easy for me. Um, but that changed later on in high school. <laughs> I just started caring less and less. But yeah, by middle school, no, I was doing well academically. Yeah, and then and then your um your relationship with the, your uh, teachers at this point, man, in uh, middle school was it rough? Oh my goodness, <laughs> it was crazy, man. I mean, there were some teachers that I remember, like I think they saw through it. I think they saw the heart in me that I really was a caring, loving young man, but. I was just lost and confused. So most teachers handled me as that lost, confused, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just a problem child. But yeah. there's a couple that just really, they saw through it, and I'm thankful for those. But no, yeah. I, I was, it was, it was pretty tough for uh, behavior-wise for a lot of my teachers. You know what it is? You know what's interesting, man? Especially around that age, for some reason, 
there is a, t- a tiny segment of our teaching population that for whatever reason, in that moment of emotional frustration where they're like heightened emotion, like they're angry, yeah, they're mad for at sure, you, man. For sure. Like the, in that moment, for whatever reason, they forget that that's a kid, that's a child. Yeah. And they start thinking that's an adult. And it's not an adult. Yeah. Because because at this point, you're like, you're a six foot 13 year old, you know, <laughs> and, and you're getting stubble. And, and so they start thinking, well, he's so lazy or he's so disruptive or he's a problem. When the truth is, Dude, you're not anything but 13. That's all you are at this point. Yeah. Like you're still in the incubator of becoming a person. Yeah. Right. So, but it's it's really hard for some teachers. But you're right, dude. Lot there's a, this amazing, um, like her, like heroic population of teachers that can see through it all. Yeah. And see the heart and like that's a that's a loving kid who's yeah. just trying to figure it out at 13. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then and then and then how about with your parents at, at this point? Okay, so my parents, like, come middle school, sixth grade was very tough for me. I was getting a lot of, I started getting in physical fights, you know, dealing with some racism stuff. I was in the band, so I was the white boy that made the snare. You know, I was drummer and stuff, so I was, you know, good with the drumsticks, and I was the only white boy that was playing the snare drum. So I, a lot of people challenged me, and I ended up getting into a lot of fights, um, and then that just spread throughout the school. So I had a lot of a lot of fights going on my sixth grade year, so my parents spent a lot of time in the principal's office. And that's one thing that just amazed me is to this day, I'm just so thankful for my mother and father who love me so much. They would get out of work to come to try to fight for me not to get suspended or not get expelled. Um, and, and they just, I mean, my parents were shedding tears in my principal's office when I was in sixth grade. I remember it vividly. And then same thing, seventh grade, like just you know, crying, telling my principals, like, listen, and and there's actually, my parents had a chance to file a lawsuit against the school I was in in sixth grade because uh, of my ADHD there. The schools, from what I understand, are legally required to work with you and, and you know, go out of their way to try to cope with, you know, what you're dealing with and the, the way that I was treated and handled because of stuff that I couldn't control at that point in my life as far as tapping my pencil or tapping my foot, like, my parents could have filed a lawsuit, but they chose not to and uh, switched schools after um, after sixth grade. I, I didn't even finish the last three weeks. I was on out of school suspension. They said, "Look, he passed. Just uh, just 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 keep him home. <laughs> He's good." <laughs> and we were at a new school. I was in the new school yeah. by the next year. So <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. I can remember. I can remember. You know, as a teacher, kids. You know, kids coming to me like that last month. This goes like May first, and he yeah. the principal's <laughs> office. Man, he told me I'm not gonna. He's, he's not gonna promote me to the, to, to the ninth. Year. I'm saying, brother, he's gonna promote you. Yeah. Trust <laughs> you me. ain't gonna be here again. <laughs> <laughs> they ain't holding you back. I, I'm no. not passing any. Don't you worry. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> <laughs> They're excited for you to go to high school. <laughs> and so, uh, all right, man. And so, and so, at, at, at this point, you're still doing your same thing, and then you go to high school, ninth grade. Yeah. Things changed. Same, same. No, things just they they escalated, man. Like I said, you know, in the in the physical, my my soccer abilities were growing. My popularity was growing. Uh, I was at a new school in 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 Yorktown. We even moved to a new city so that I could be in a better school system. I mean, that's how severe it was from my transition from middle school to high school. My parents did everything they could to give me a shot. Uh, freshman year, I was a new kid, so I didn't have nobody really knew much about me besides uh, the athletes because they knew that I was going there and playing soccer with. I uh, played travel ball with like nine or ten of the kids that were had been going to that school. So you know, I had a nice group of friends already. Um, so physically, it was good, but you know, mentally, it was still it was still bad. Yeah, uh, mentally, I was dealing with things worse and worse. And then drugs came into the picture. Uh, come high school, you know, I was the, one of the youngest on the varsity team. Um, I was an underclassman, you know, playing with 17, 18 year olds. So um, obviously, you know, that influence was not positive for me. Uh, seeking approval, willing to do anything, stepped into the partying role. And then ninth grade, my grades were straight. Tenth grade, a little bit worse. Started being okay with C's and, and you know, oh, look, as long as I'm good, I'm varsity star player. You know, I'm going to be, I don't need to worry about grades as much. And then by the time junior year kicked in, I was a full drug addict, um, just not even caring about um, not even caring about s- soccer or <laughs> or school, anything yeah. besides getting high and drunk. You know, coming to school already drunk and high, drinking beers in the parking lot before school and smoking, and 
and just come and just just it's a joke it's a party you know yep. i was at all the parties all the all the teachers knew knew about my reputation i had made such a bad reputation for that at that school for myself that you know girls weren't even really allowed to date me you know their parents would be like no we know about him you mm. know so that i kind of just embraced that and and went full-fledged with that in high school yeah man i think people um that you know people well especially in texas um for for those teachers listening in texas and oklahoma and you know, um, that and even in uh, Louisiana, um, like being in soccer on the East Coast, that's like playing football here. That's <laughs> like you know, what I mean, it's like it's like, yeah. like the, the star athletes are soccer players. Where, where I where I grew up in New Jersey, yeah, you know, wrestlers and soccer players. We didn't have foot. There's like a kind of a football team, but it wasn't yeah. a big deal. Not as much. No, man. Here it's like you know, every game's a Super Bowl, and um, <laughs> and then you know, but man, here's here's what's interesting, and I, and I love these conversations, especially. Uh, with with people that have like turned things around and because that's what everybody loves like um a rags to riches story yeah. <laughs> but people what what people really love is a comeback story yeah you yes. know people that had it lost it all and brought it back you yes. know and and man what what, what I really uh, think think is is just really awesome with you is you have such a, a clear self awareness of this need for approval at that age like that's really what it was because man that is fuel for the fire yeah. Like when you have that need and you walk in as a ninth grader and already you have this personality for whatever reason, you have this DNA where you're seeking approval and you want to be the clock clown, you want to make people laugh or shock people or get the approval. And somebody says, hey, man, do you want it? Before they even finish the question as a ninth grader, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I do want to. Whatever that is, I'll do yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And man, that's that's just a, that's just a dangerous recipe for a kid. Yes. Yeah. And man, and also with you, man, is the... Um, is what's really interesting is to see where you were. I don't know if you ever thought about this. Like when you're in the like the trough of it all. Like you've you're hit you're heading downward your junior year. Can you look back and was there can you I'm always interested in what you know that expanding comfort zone of what's okay with someone. Like early in your life as somebody said Man, do you want a beer in third grade? No, I'm good. You know, but at some point you said yes to, you know, looking on somebody's paper and copying it. You know what I mean? And you said yes to something that wasn't okay. And then that made that okay. And that expanded your zone for what's okay. So I'm just like wondering, like, can, can you think back your freshman year? Like maybe there was something that happened where like that was a turning point where if you, if you, if, if you didn't do that, maybe the rest wouldn't have happened. Um, Honestly, I would be lying if I said yes. I think, uh, I mean, there's a couple key relationships with the older kids that are a couple in particular that that I'm sure influenced me more heavily than others. But I don't remember like a specific moment in time. I yeah. think it was just bound to happen. And whether it was with this guy or with this dude, like I was going to end up getting into something. Yeah. And then, and then, and, and, and how bad did it get? Like junior year, senior year, it got bad. Yeah, so uh, no more I think soccer. A, no, man. By the time I was a senior, it's it's crazy. I was dealing with so much. Um, you know the the anxiety. I was raised with loving parents and good Christian family, so like I knew the way that I should be living compared to the way that I was, and I had built up this huge, like to me, it, it's weird. Like I I think I was. I went to a psychologist one time when I was growing up throughout the years, and, and they told me, Austin, you've got something. I don't know the scientific name, but it's like you think that you're in front of an audience even when you're not. Like, So I, I always think the whole school is watching me. So I've got this huge performance that I've got to do. Every time I go to school, I've got to be this person. I've got to fit this picture. So I had built up all this pressure on my shoulders to be this person that they all wanted me to be, which was half in my mind. But then at the same time, I was popular. I was a star soccer player. So like, there was some truth to that as well. Um, but... No, but but it gotten so bad with my anxiety attacks because I knew that I shouldn't be that person that I felt everyone else wanted me to be. That it would like it would shut me down sometimes. I mean, um, I, I got I, I, my grandma got diagnosed with cancer when I was growing. You know, when I was growing up through middle school, so watching her slowly die, you know, was was tough. And I've got friends. I got the tattoos on my on my wrist of three initials of three of my friends. Each one of them committed suicide. Uh, went to elementary school with the first and middle school with the second and and high school with the with the third. So, you know, losing those friends and, and dealing with my own depression, uh, my anxiety, drug addiction, it, it all just hit a peak my senior year. 
to the point where I almost took my own life my senior year. And uh, I, I could not even physically make myself go to school anymore. I had to start taking classes online. I lasted maybe a, couple, a week or two my first week of senior year, and then I didn't play soccer. I sat in my in my mom and dad's house and and on the laptop finished my senior year. I changed my number, took myself off social media. And that was the first time I was by myself in my life. From Mr. Popular, everybody they called my house a hotel because it'd be people over every day, but. At that moment, senior year, shut everything down. Yeah. Man, did you graduate? I did. Yeah. Yep. No prom. No, I don't need, I might have walked. I don't even remember if I didn't, but yeah, uh, it was just <laughs> yeah. not normal, not typical, not typical at all. For sure. At that point, man, I'm just curious, were there any, um, like at the end of your junior year when things are really falling apart, but you know, before you left school, where like, can you think back to any teachers that still believed in you and told you, hey, man, you can pull this thing together, you know? Um, let me think, man. Um, really, uh, I don't, I can't think in high school. No, man. I mean, I, I went in, I remember going in one Monday morning, first thing Monday morning, my junior year. And, uh, the principal had called me into the office and I walked into the principal's office and my, my coach was sitting there already. And the principal was there and I was like, what in the world is this about? And, they said, Austin, we heard about what you did this weekend at that party. And if we hear that again, like you're off the soccer team. I was not allowed to go to any dances. And by the time I was a junior, they told me I had to be breathalyzed. So I couldn't go to any dances. You know, it was, I had, I went, I went very deep, you know, police getting involved. All the police in the city knew who I was. And it was just, I think a lot of people probably just counted me out at that point. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I mean, for, I mean, like, you know, a lot of times, you know, even though, you know, a teacher loves a kid so much, but at the same time, they think, well, he's just not ready. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and then, and then when you're not there anymore, yeah, it's hard to make a difference in your life. You for know, sure. So, yeah. Yeah. And then at some point, man, I got like some, you know, it, in the stories of the turnaround in, in this, you know, when people get it together, and some sometimes there's like a big giant rock bottom moment. Other times it's just a, a compilation of a bunch of little things. Yeah. What was for you? It was a lot of a lot of things, man. A lot of people. My, of course, my parents are always going to get credit for um, just being there for me, always supporting me, always helping me out. Um, there was a. I mean, most importantly was my relationship with God that started. You know, really just understanding that I am created the way that I am for a reason and that I'm not a mistake. Just me having to face him and in and, and that time of me being by myself where I had no validation from anyone else. I mean, it got to the point where I had to cover up mirrors in my house with towels for two or three months um, because I hated looking at myself. That's how much I hated myself. Um, but to understand that I was not a mistake and, and that God loves me exactly the way I am, even at my worst, that was a, a, a moment of hope. Yeah. A, a love that I could never earn, uh, a love that I didn't have to perform for. Uh, so that was that's ultimately um, that's the deepest root. But a lot of things along with that, you know, my parents. Um, I had an ADHD coach named Mike Knackman who, uh, by the time I was you know finished with school, I wanted to learn. I was so fascinated with ADHD, this thing that has plagued me my whole life. I want to know the the physiology, the neuropsychology of like, why does this happen? What exactly is this? So I started helping out a psychologist that, uh, that works. He was an ADHD coach, like a life coach. And uh, he was very instrumental in helping me understand more about my own mind and and why I do a lot of the things. It's like somebody, it's like a grown man with a house and a family, a successful man that I can relate to. Like yeah. can get to my level on a kid and be like, nah, dude, I know why you feel like this when they say this because your ADHD mind is ra-da-da-da-da. And, and having somebody that understood on that level, I'm forever thankful for him and and that you know that 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 was a that was a start of an upward progress for me going to a school in Vermont called Goddard where I was like okay I'm gonna go study uh, neuropsychology and go to school for ten plus years well one semester later learned that I was not about to be in school for ten plus years <laughs> but I started rapping for the first time when I went to college and uh, and that started a whole new passion for me and then uh, and then you know it's just slowly yeah. it's a slow climb what, from what, there. What was Goddard? Was that was that a university or Goddard a, a Vermont? Special, um, no, Goddard. I, I thought Goddard College. I think it's called, mm -hmm. but uh, it was in 
it was in Montpelier or some some place in Vermont. I don't even remember, but I went up there and started studying. You know, just a little, for the first, it was like a semester literally, and then mm-hmm. I decided I was not about that. Right. And I came back home to Virginia, and then I started working full time at the shipyard. You know, got myself a job paying fifteen dollars an hour, nineteen years old, going to community college on the side, and uh, fell in love with a girl. So that just I was I was chilling in that mode for about two years. Yeah. So uh, and then and then um, how did the rapping thing go? Yeah, so the rapping just started real slowly. Um, I, I started when I was about 18, nine, probably 19 years old, and then um, I messed around with it, and then I took a break for a whole year, and then um, I got involved with a church, and I was like, man, you know what? I could probably write a song and perform for that youth group one time. So I did that, and uh, I didn't even take it seriously, but um, but then, you know, next thing you know, doors started opening to where I was like, you know what? Maybe I could start writing some actual music and really start performing, so... Uh, that's how that started. Yeah, and then and then as far as your um, like growing up, was that is all the all the music that influences you? Was it typically rap? Oh, it was all rap for yeah. sure. I mean, I would say ninety nine percent rap. Uh, you know, like growing up, like I mentioned, you know, a lot of my best friends my whole life have been black, and uh, and and that whole cu- culture. Um, just, I just, I loved it. I mean, I, I was, I was the white boy wearing a do rag when I was playing basketball in the cul-de-sac. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I was wearing the full baby blue starter. Like, I might All as well in. have been black in my when I looked at myself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so that yeah, hip hop was just is is a part of me. I love it. And then the only reason I would listen to rock is because I was a drummer. I started playing a drum set, right. and so I would I'd be jamming out to rock music. But that's the only time I, I'd listen to stuff other than rap. Yeah, <laughs> and then and so you know that that whole you know, the the rap thing. That, this is what this is what I love about that um, that that genre of music is. Um, there's so many uh, artists out there that make it just because of the pure hustle. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they're out there, like you don't see that in a lot of other genres of music. So like, in fact, here's a good example. One, I'm on the road and I'm flying to the Atlanta airport and have this, and and Veronica is a, is a lady who goes on the road with me occasionally to uh, just kind of assist and help out. And we're, and we're on the road. And um, so we get all the gear, we have all these Pelican cases, we drag around the U S with us and all, cause I bring in sound and video and I bring everything with me. And um, so we drag the cases out to the front. She goes, gets the rental car. So I'm sitting on this pile of cases and this dude comes up, this black guy comes up and he says, Hey man, you look like a kind of guy who would love a positive message right now. Oh, wow. I said, yeah. He goes, how about I give you a positive speech? Sounds good to me. And he launches into this whole rap thing. He sets his his stereo down, turns it on, and he asked me what I do for a career. I tell him, he asked me, do you have a family? I say, yeah, what kind of boy and a girl? And like he... Like flows this whole thing about my life, how awesome I am, and don't give up again. That's <laughs> like awesome. <this. laughs> and I'm like, man, that's amazing. And he goes, he goes, do you love it? I go, yeah. He goes, how much do you love it? I go, I really love Dang. it a lot. <laughs> and he pulls out a CD. He goes, that's good because I have a whole CD with nothing but that on it. It's twenty wow. bucks. I say, yeah, I'll buy that thing for twenty bucks. Wow. And I gave him twenty. And this dude pulls out a roll of twenties. Wow. And I'm like, oh my god, dude, this is what you do? He goes, yeah. Yeah. I go, you're here at the airport? He goes, I'm here at the airport. I go to the mall. I go, this is what I do. Wow. I said, you're kidding me. I said, how many How many of these things you sell? He goes, he goes today, I, I sold about 60. That's crazy. Today. And I said, but here's the thing. You know what? Here's a guy making a difference in people's lives 20 bucks at a time. Mm. That's my kind of guy. That's crazy. Hustling. That's Spreading hustle. the message. Doing his thing. And it's really good. Yeah. I love that guy. That's dope. But, you know, we don't see that in other genres of music. You Probably know? not as much, nah. Nah. And so and so what what was your first thing? When you first come up with this idea, here's what I want to do, and I'm gonna try to make a living at this. Yeah. Well, uh, so I moved, I moved from uh from Virginia, 21 years old. I was about to turn 22, and I had just decided I need to go see what else the world has to offer. So I packed up my bags. I believe I had about $300 on me. I packed up a car full of clothes and I drove to San Marcos, Texas, where I knew one person. I had a friend that lived out there. I didn't have any friend, uh, any family or anything, no job lined up. I uh, slept on his living room floor for about six months on an air mattress and I uh, started m- working minimum wage, started hosting tables at Red Lobster. And then 
Uh, then I got a better manufacturing job where I was making again like 15, 16 bucks an hour. And uh, I started making music on the side. And I would drive from San Marcos to Houston every single weekend and save up money. And then I put together my first mixtape, um, which was like really professionally recorded quality music. And I uh, started just selling little mixtapes at church and on the kind of like you're talking about going. I remember knocking on radio station doors and handing them, you know, CDs with a couple of tracks and getting rejected by everybody, but really just hustling, like you said. And and then I started meeting some artists that were really doing it full time. And I was like, oh, wow, you can actually make money by going and doing live shows. You can actually sell merchandise. There's actually people making a living doing this. And that's when the reality hit me. And uh, I started getting a couple opportunities to open up with some well-known people in Texas. And then, you know, the doors just started opening slowly and slowly and slowly, but surely. Yeah. Uh, so so I've been doing it full time now for uh, two years. So. What was this guy in San Marcos doing? Was he going to school there? Uh, no, he was working. He Same story as me. He wanted to get out of Virginia. We were from the same place and he yeah. just moved out a year earlier than me. Uh, he knew one person out in San Marcos, so he went out there and started with nothing. And my and daughter's then, uh, moving there in August to go to school. Really, Texas State? Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, it's it's cool out there. I was off exit two hundred six, Ocarina Springs Drive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my sister used to work at Ocarina Springs when it was Ocarina Springs. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's not even Ocarina Springs anymore. What, what, what was it? What does that mean? It was um, it was like a it's this bizarre little tiny miniature, kind of like a theme park. Oh wow. Yeah, where they would have a glass bottom boat, and you go on a, and you look at fish. And, oh wow! But the big claim to fame, man, they used to have this. I think it was a pig, and it was a pig that would run off a diving board. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> Which I'm not even thinking. I don't think you can do that anymore. I think people think of being made with a pig. <laughs> yeah. But the pig looked like it loved it, man. It could <laughs> run up to the diving board. <laughs> so, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but now it's like a conference center or something. I'm not sure what it oh, is. And then, um, but here, here's what I'm wondering. So you're at this point, man. Are your parents still all in when you're saying I'm doing a rap thing? Oh I'm my like, goodness! Every single step of the way. Like really? I remember the first time. So I was actually home visiting. And I, there was some some gig that was paying me to fly out across the country and go do a show, and you know they paid for my travel and paid for paid me to do the show, and I was just doing the whole thing. And I flew back, and I had this money, and I I sat down with my mom, and we just counted this money out on the table. I was like, Mom, this is just like it was just a special moment. Like yeah. I'm here with my mom, and like I just flew out of state for for a day or two, and just flew right back, and just went and made money, and like from. Just working. My dad is such a hard worker, working two, three jobs, as many as that many, you know, growing up. And for me to be like, I even sat and thought about it this morning as I'm laying in my bed at 11 a.m. just in no rush. You know, I'd been up for a while knocking stuff out. But I'm just like, man, I'm I'm so blessed. Like I, I get to do what I love. And uh, and my mom is so proud of me. My dad is so proud of me. They're so thankful. I'm actually flying home tomorrow to see them. Uh, in Virginia, I'll be there for about a week and a half. So I just, I can't wait. I, I can't wait to see them. So uh, yeah. yeah, they've been supportive since day one. Here's the coolest thing, man, is, you know, there's never been a better opportunity for kids growing up right now, no matter like what, what you have going on in your life, like whatever you're passionate about, like whatever you love, there's a way for you to make money on it. Absolutely. Make a living at it. Yeah. You know, I tell them, like, if, if, if you love it, you're passionate about it, you're good at it, and it makes a difference in the lives of other people, you can make a living at that. Oh, I like that. That's dope. That's a good uh, That's a good couple characteristics. It, it, it solves everything. Whatever you're th- it doesn't even matter. Yeah. You know, you know I mean, just, just in our neighborhood right now, we have, yeah. we have, we have kids, you know, making a full-time living, flipping stuff on Amazon. We got another guy yeah. over here. He's a, he's a gamer. People pay to watch him play games. That's crazy. You know, it's, I mean, it really is. I mean, this is the time. And, and like, that's the thing for you, man. Like, even though you were semi um, academically successful, you could have been extremely successful, but you know, it had some challenges because of personality stuff. And even though you took the nosedive at the end, still, and you did a few weeks at, at college, or whatever. <laughs> still, you know, you bring it back. You found what you love. You're passionate about it. You're good at yeah. it, and it makes a difference in the lives of other people. Done. Make it yeah, a living. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, man. You, and so, you start now. How did you go from like because you're doing the church thing, you're doing gigs, you're 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 opening up and doing shows mm-hmm. with other artists? How do you, how do you get into the schoolhouse? Like, who says come talk okay. to my kids? Yes. No, man. So this was a this was an interesting process. So I believe 2017, I had just went to Compton, California, to do some mission work out there with the uh, Eyes on Me, a nonprofit that I work with here in Houston, and we went to set up like a hip hop show in California out there, and we came back in the next 
next day, um, I got invited by my boy Von Juan um, to come to help volunteer with Engine Radio um, at a school in Humble High School in uh, way up in Humble. And so I was like, yeah, man, Engine Radio, I, I, you know, they're a cool station. I, I don't have anything else to do this day. Just got back in town. I'll go ahead and volunteer with them. And just I remember what, I was in the auditorium and the kids were just started flooding in the auditorium. And I'm by the door with their promotions manager just passing out flyers. And he's there like, make sure every kid gets one. So I'm just there chilling. I was my back was against the wall on the left side of the auditorium. All these kids were just watching the DJ and they had a. Um, they had paid this this really dope um, motivational speaker to come out for a week and do. That's what it was. They were doing DJing music, but they were doing school assemblies. So I watched this motivational speaker. He started speaking. Yeah. And Vaughn runs up to me real quick while they started. After he was done, it was like, bro, do you have your USB drive on you, man? I think you can go up there and perform me time real quick. Do you have it on you? I said, yeah, yeah. So I went up and uh, I just gave the DJ my stick and I, I I started performing me time for Humble High School and the kids flooded to the stage and started jumping up, started screaming. They were singing the chorus as if they had been jamming it their whole life. And the DJs were looking at us, each other like, what is happening right now? And yeah. I was looking like, what is happening right now? I've never experienced like this much hype before. So they were like, okay, this is crazy. So they took me to every single other school show that they had that week. And it was the same result. Every single school, we went to Humble Middle School. We went to Ross Sterling Middle School. We, I mean, we we're just bouncing around. Um, and every school, it was the same reaction. They, the kids went crazy. So I put together a little plan where I was like, all right, well, you know what? I'm going to put together the Me Time Tour where I'm going to take Von Juan, I'm going to hire a DJ, I'm going to hire a speaker, we're going to take a sound system, and I would pay all these guys to go and help me put on an assembly. And I would just come in on the last 15 minutes and rap. Yeah. And then we did that for a week, and, and it was amazing. By the time that week was over... I was so tired of hearing Von Juan talk about his story, and not because it's a bad story, but because I had already watched other people connect with these kids and share their life story. It yeah. was jumping out of my chest like, I have to share mine now. I can't listen to everybody else talk now. I have to speak. I'm not going to just watch other people speak. So then I started um, trying to set up my own little gigs, and I gave my first shot at just doing my first assembly where I was speaking and mm -hmm. rapping. And uh, and now I've just developed a whole process where I'm just super comfortable. I've got it down pat, and I've done you know thousands, probably hundred thousand students here in the past year and a half, something like yeah. that. So it's just been it's been incredible, man. It's amazing to see. Yeah. You know, it's just um, you know to see that kind of um, like you said, man, that kind of positivity and energy and hype in those kids, and see the like the look in their eyes. And to hear him sing along, like in those videos you post, yeah. and man, it's such a, it's it's such a over the top, overwhelmingly positive, energetic, hyped experience to witness. Man, it's so cool. Yeah, man. Yeah. At this point, like in your life, like looking back at the story and like looking all the way back from junior high to right now, at some, dude, like you got to feel like a little bit of pride and all that. You, man, I'm just, I would just say, just thankful, and, and I would say, just driven to. Um, one of my dreams on my checklist is to go to the literal schools that I went to. And and it's funny because my mom is a dental hygienist. And this is just the funniest story. A couple of weeks ago, she texted me, Austin, it was right before I went out of town. She said, Austin, you won't believe who I just talked to in my office, who I, whose teeth I just cleaned. I said, who? The principal of Tab High School. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's what's up. She said, and I told him about what you do, and and he is interested. And like, so I she gave me his email, just like a she a G, man. She had gotten the info and already set it up on a T. So I sent him the email, sent him my promo, EPK, all that. Uh -huh. He was like, dude, I would love this. Let's let's talk, let's set something up for this coming year. So I'll be going. Um, it looks like to my high school where I was in the middle because I've been out here a lot of Texas, Louisiana, you know, just kind of the lower South states. But like I talk about all this life stuff that happened way over on the East Coast. Yeah. And I'm yet to do a school on the East Coast, like right there where I can name streets and I can be like, no, I was in these halls right here. Like so, so yeah. When I look back, I've, I've, been, I've visited teachers that I had in middle school that have cried when they see me and what I'm doing now, just because they just they're just thankful. You know, yeah. they know how bad it was, and uh, they're just thankful. And and I'm thankful. And here's the thing, man. I, re I really hope that they understand is, um, dude. There's a recipe 
for where you are in your life right now. And every one of those people were an ingredient. Yes. And without that ingredient, yes. it might not be where it is today. It'd be a whole different recipe. Yeah. So each one of whether, you know, and it might look like a negative role at the time, but yeah. really is is an important part of the recipe of you becoming you in life. And I think the just having the opportunity and the ability to go back and share the story with them would be powerful. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, of all the places you've um you've been on the road and in front of kids, um there, there's a lot of amazing kids out there. Yeah. It's cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's wild. <laughs> yeah. And I get it, man. Here's the thing, like we don't talk about enough about, you know, unfortunately, like in the, on like on the news, you know, anytime we see stuff about kids, it's always something really negative. But like you know, there, there's some phenomenal kids that share amazing stories with you everywhere you go. Yeah. Oh man. I just the messages that I get to this day, like on my Instagram, I've got a I've got a, a highlighted story reel of just messages and DMs that kids send me about how their life has been impacted or how they started doing this and that. And I just just it's surreal, you know. Yeah. A lot of amazing kids out there. And dude, here's here's what I really hope you you understand is um and I don't think I got it. Like when I was when I, I was teaching when I was twenty six. I don't really I don't think I really got it on such a deep level that I do now because I see my kids, and now my kids are in their 40s, mm. like the students I've had. Yeah. So I've got students in their mid and late 40s. And so what's crazy is I can look back, and when I had this kid in my class as a 16 or 17-year-old, there was like a little shift in their life. And I thought, oh, that's pretty cool, man. I felt good. Like I, I feel like I made a difference. Yeah. But what I didn't get back then is because of that little shift, that kid's on a whole different trajectory. Yes. And over the course of the next 10, 20, and now 30 years mm. – this kid is in a whole different universe because yeah. of that little tiny thing we did in class. Yeah. And I think the same things for you. So like when you get those messages and you hear those stories and the kids say that stuff and they give you that note, like that's a shift in the trajectory. Yeah. And that's really cool today. But yes. man, yeah. over the next 30 and 40 years, this kid is go- just because of that little moment that happened on that day. Yeah. No, that's that's a, what it makes me think of is like, you know, I've heard this story and I might butcher it a little bit, but like a Billy Graham or something like this guy that just you know changed the lives of probably millions of people and 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 they tell us I hear the story about the guy that changed his life and that was just like a lower level like just random guy it was just like a little small event where Billy Graham was at and his life was changed at that event so that guy that nobody knows who he is and that was a small little tiny random event that he could have cared less about if he was in the wrong mentality of like, oh, I want to be in front of all these people, and it's like, no, he, he, he was, he was, he was where he was at that one show, and Billy Graham was in the crowd, and that, and look at what he grew to do, and like that's the type of men, you know, we never, I don't think we'll all see the fruit of all the labor of, you know, yeah. the the lives that that we that we touch, and and yeah. I think that's kind of cool. It's a legacy. I, th- it I think really that's is. a legacy. And here's the craziest thing of all, you know, the. Um, Man, I'm so glad you brought that up, man. I, this is this happens regularly, and it just it recently happened in an airport in Minnesota. That I'm walking through, I'm you know dragging my cases through the airport, and I hear Bowman, Bowman, and I look back, and I just this dude, I'm like Bowman, and I get and like I'm looking at him, and I'm like, oh, this is a kid. I've had this kid. He's he's a guy. He's a man now, but with the beard, it's hard to tell, you know. <laughs> and, you know, he's taller and bigger and yeah. gained weight, and I'm trying to figure it. Then I realize, <laughs> you know, this kid in my my class and. And and he goes, dude, I gotta tell you, man. He goes, I, I've th- I you know, I thought about that class all the time, and and I'm th- I'm thinking, I can picture him in the class with his head down, sleeping. Wow. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he goes, man, you, that, that, the class was awesome, dude. And I said, well, you weren't even awake, brother. <laughs> he goes, no, I was listening. <laughs> wow. And so here it is, like, I like I haven't even thought about the kid. And if somebody asked me, like. It, if that kid, you know, if I made a difference in that class, I was the hell no. I didn't, yeah. I didn't connect with that kid. Yes. He slept. Yeah. I think he gave me the finger once. Like, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. think. But you know what? Yeah. He, that kid, he went story after story after story about that year. And like, I don't even know what he's talking about. But he remembered so much detail from that class. Mm. And that's the thing, man, you know, working with kids, like, especially on your event, because it's such a spectacle of, of their year in school. You know what I mean? Because it's, you know, they, they kind of do the system and the consistency of the same stuff that but then you yeah. show up and there's the lights and the music and the hype and the thing. Yeah. Like that is a moment that kid remember for the rest of his life. Uh, I believe that. Yeah. It's powerful, man. Yeah. And 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 here's the other thing I love what you do is um there this this is bizarre. I don't know why the mind works this way, but this way it works. Is um 
You have these parents of kids and teachers of kids and principals and counselors, and they're constantly given the message. And for some reason, it resonates on a deeper level when somebody shows up for one day that they don't even know. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yes. You know, because <laughs> here's this per- they show up every day. Saying the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> we could say literally the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And for some reason, it means, you know. Yeah. It's really interesting, man. Yeah. Even with my work, you know, as a principal who, um, you know, you know, you know, you know, like I do my thing. Yeah. He goes, I'm so glad you said that because I've been telling him that all year long. Yeah. But now that you said it for some reason, it's happening. Yeah. It's so it's crazy. I know. I can't quite wrap my mind around it. I mean, there's certain there's certain variables that I could see would help. You know, like the they might feel like they can connect with me a bit better or you know more relatable in a sense, but. uh it's one of the funny things that I do. I bring that up during the assembly as an icebreaker. I'm like, all right, um, y'all, let's do a little dance party. Invite the kids up. And then, I, you know, the kids go crazy watching each other dance. Then uh-huh. they sit them down. And then I say, okay, now I'm going to transition into the real reason I'm here. You know, it's because of the teachers. They care about y'all. They love y'all. Can we bring the teachers up to the front and just say thank you to them? So the teacher up there and one, two, three, thank you. All the kids scream and and the teachers, one, two, three, you're welcome. And then the yeah. teachers are just up there standing in front of the crowd. And I go, okay, now, do y'all ever feel like, you know, these students are coming to class and talking to the teacher? They're, they're, and you tell them that you're there for them. You, you, you know, you want to help them more than just like school and do your work. Like you really care about them. And they're just like, no, you don't relate. You don't understand. And they're like, yes, we, we get that. And, and I ask the students, do y'all ever feel like that? You just can't relate to the teachers. And they're like, yeah. And then I'd be like, all right, well, I'm going to help break that wall right now. And I just turn around, I hit my laptop and drop some crazy hip hop beat. Boom, and then, like, teachers go ahead and dance. And then the the students go crazy. Look, and then there'll be that one teacher that you least expect that just starts breaking it down and the kids go wild. And, like, that's the type of stuff that I just think. You know, I think that stuff breaks walls yeah. where the kids are like, okay, you know, these are these teachers were kids too. They're, they're just not up here, you know, so far from reality that they really don't know. But I think that's the walls that we just try to break down. Yeah, man. I think, in, you know, on stage and, and in the classroom, like that's a huge part of classroom where, you know, like long gone are the days like, you know, that teacher in front of them, this is my class. This is my guess. I just said, shut up, sit down. Yeah, you know, yeah. where nowadays, man, it really has to be this family, man. This is our yes. class and we're yes. in here together. This yes. is our family. Yes. And, you know, and, and yeah, I'm older and I'm going to stand at the front and I'm going to facilitate this family. Yeah. But it's us together. Yeah. And, and like, I think that's really the metaphor of, you know, they dance, we dance. And yeah. We're, now, now we're Absolutely. all on the same page, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, yeah. I, I could probably learn a whole lot from you about, you know, just that because you've got a lot of experience you were there you were a teacher and you you do that now so yeah that's cool. like like i think that's the man that's like the credibility i have with teachers because i've been you know i've taught a, a, for decades and i've taught in tiny towns i've taught in inner cities i've taught high school wow. elementary i don't but that's the thing with you with kids like you've been there yeah and like you've lived in that culture yeah and and you've had that experience in the ADD, and you know what it's like. You know what it feels like to take the drug, you know? Mm-hmm. Where it's really hard, you know? It's almost as if, you know, if somebody is really, um, you know, I'm trying to come up with an example for some, like an adult. Like if, if someone's really overweight and they're obese and they go to they go hire a trainer, and that person has <laughs> never had a problem with yes. weight. <laughs> yeah. They're just born with that amazing right. physique. They yeah. don't know what it's like. That's a fact. They don't know, have no idea what it's like to be on a diet or That's right. to try to, you know what I mean? So yeah. I think it's the same thing with you, where like since you've been there, they can identify like this dude's a real deal, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, man, of all the stuff that you do, man, like when, when you show up for schools and, and like in that moment, what, what's your, like, like what's your favorite part of the day? Oh, my favorite part of the day, man, I, I just love. I don't know that there's a certain part throughout the school assembly process. My least favorite is the sound system. I know that. <laughs> Loading up the sound system, man, having to drag. It's like a Tetris the way I fit it in my car. Um, but I would say, man, the favorite is just walking into the school with excitement and having the principal, hey, we're excited to have you here. Like just feeling welcomed and feeling loved and appreciated in school is something that it goes much deeper than just that one event because my past is nothing but rough memories at school. I was never feeling appreciated at school. I was always getting in trouble. I was having the principals trying to kick me out of school and now they bring me to the school and 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 the love and and 
I don't know, man. I just, I just walking through those halls like that is just very special to me. And of course, you know, connecting and and just being able to talk about the deep, the passionate things that that I talk about and connecting with kids. I love everything about it. But there's just something special about walking through the halls and just at a new school. Like, man, I, I can't believe that I'm here and I'm welcomed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> they're bringing you in. Yeah, they're bringing me in. <laughs> they used to take me out. Now they yeah. bring me in. <laughs> They were all about the exit before. Yeah. <laughs> now you're about the entrance. Yeah, now they don't want me to leave. Right no. That's awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> as it man, as your music career grows, because here's the crazy thing, man. Like this, I mean, just you know, I mean, outside of the message, you got the music and it's good. It's really good. And like, do you do you ever feel like that gets lost? Like like the artist part of it? I think there's just a balance that I'm currently learning. Uh, the music industry is just a whole nother beast. You know, I was signed with a record company in 2018. So I had a lot of responsibilities on my shoulders that I was, you know, signed to a contract to meet certain obligations, which, um, which kind of, it, it didn't hold me back, but it, it, it kept my focus in another area, it kept my focus with the music, with selling merch, with doing shows, with the promotion, all that stuff. And, and 2019 came around and, and I, I was, I'm no longer with the record company. And, and I was able at the beginning of this year to say, you know what, I put out a really quality project last year and there's still a world full of people that do not know that music. So instead of just wanting to just make a whole bunch more music that people still won't know across the world. Yeah. I want to try to reach more people with the music that I've already got. So I just was very intentional this year about just trying to work on relationships and just trying to find the open doors and really focus more on the motivational speaking gift that I have instead of just the music. So it's been on pause, but I've been in the studio these past couple of weeks, man, and there's just a fire getting ignited. The, the, the music that I'm working on now is just another level of of quality from where I was. I'm, I'm learning, I'm maturing, I'm growing. And uh, it's just exciting, man, to be able to do both and have a, a healthy balance. Yeah. Man, I think from the, um, just from a business perspective, like the business model is just, I mean, you're, you're showing up and there's your audience, there's your customers yeah. already. Oh my goodness, man. The, the, these rappers out here, these singers, they are slipping. <laughs> yeah. They are slipping. That, that It just, I, and I stumbled into it. I didn't expect that. When I went yeah. to that engine radio and I was like, Oh, these kids are going crazy, crazy. And then I gained like a thousand, fifteen hundred followers within that two day period. Yeah. That I was with Engine for the rest of the couple shows they had. It's like my I started getting thousands of followers. And that was the first time I was like, oh my goodness, there's now thousands of kids watching me. Yeah. And doing that on more scales, you know, thousands, it just is growing. And then that can turn into music streams. And then I can invite them to shows and sell merch. So it can turn into money, but I never expected it. That was not like, that's not how it started, but yeah. I stumbled into it. And I just feel like there's a huge uh, niche for that. Yeah, man. In fact, this is what the music business is nowadays. Yeah. You know what I mean? Before it really was about selling records. And yeah. That's, that is, those days are long gone. Yeah. It's I mean, gone. it's all about the live. It's all about the merch. It's all about, you know, like you said, man, followers and, and keeping up with and keeping those people part of your tribe and yes. moving forward. But the other thing is, man, is, is what, 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 What's cool about you, man, is they know what they're getting into. Like they know it's a positive thing. You know, you're, yes. they understand that your role is to make a difference in the lives of people, make an impact on the world, and they want to be a part of that. And I think that gives me a lot of peace because you know you mentioned the the, the tragedy of going and making real relationships with people that you really love and care about that you just meet, and and then leaving. And I feel like it's cool because with me they get to still connect with me after, yep. you know, not only through social media, but they can listen to my music, they have the music. forever, forever yeah. on their phones and they can jam it. And, and, and it's like, I'm leave, I'm, I've left, but I've not left, you know? So right. I think that's really, that's really cool. It's amazing, man. Yeah. Hey, what's, what's next for you, man? Man. So, uh, dude, I just got back from Namibia, Africa, man. I, I was over there and that was just a life changing experience. And it's just opened up my mind to, um, just the whole world of just more people and more places and more cultures and more music and more. I mean, I just my eyes have been opened to a a newfound love for uh, for just for just traveling and 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 spreading the message of hope to people in places that I never 
would have expected. So um, I went. I was there for about two weeks and uh, almost two weeks, and they've they're already trying to get me to come back next year, man. So I'm already plotting on that, and I've got a friend, you know, that's getting ready to move to India, and we're talking about possibly setting some stuff up in India, and I'm going to Uganda in September. So like, there, I got a message from somebody with a FCA in Hong Kong the other day. So they're looking at possibly trying to get me out in Hong Kong. Yeah, and so I mean, like that that that's that's crazy for me just uh i want to travel man i definitely would this love is the to. time to do it man yeah I'm, I'm single i've got no kids and i'm just like man right now i can get up and just jump on a plane and go somewhere for two weeks you know what i'm saying yeah. um so that and you know i would love to travel and just continue spreading the message of hope uh, that we, that we both share and um and then also music you know I, I am in the studio and i am working on some new stuff so so I'm just taking my time, just on just cruising right now. Yeah, hey man. So we have a ton of uh, teachers, but also principals that listen. So how would you describe like a day? So we, so you show up at the middle school, the high school, and 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 when you're on campus, like what does a typical day look like? So uh, it really just depends on how many students are at the school. If it's 500 kids at the school, smaller school, then oftentimes we'll just load up in the auditorium, a gymnasium. Lo- I'll load up the sound and you know spend 45 minutes to an hour, whatever's best with the school schedule. Um, and we'll knock it out. If I go to a school with 1,500 kids and they can only fit 500 in the auditorium, I'll bring come in early morning, set up my sound. The kids, you know, will come in and we'll do three assemblies, 500 each, you know. So it kind of just depends on the size of the school. Um, that's what the layout can look like either in the morning or the afternoon. But the actual assembly, it's, you know, typically 45 minutes to an hour long. I, I'll have music playing, you know, that the kids relate to already breaking the ice by the time they even sit down in the seat. Um, and they see these big speakers and they're like, it's hitting and they're like, who is this guy with this chain on? And they're already just curious and, you know, uh, and, and it's exciting. So uh, then, you know, just from there, start off with a little icebreaker dance. Um, and then and then I slowly transition into my story and I start talking real about how I lost my identity um, with the ADHD diagnosis. And then I hit them with some real facts and stuff. And then I get to the soccer when middle school comes. It's like a chronological story, sure. starting with kindergarten, my ADHD diagnosis, to the struggles I had up to sixth grade, started playing soccer. Then I break out a soccer ball and I invite the kids to come out and try to play soccer with me, do a couple tricks. And I show them some tricks and they're like, oh, snap, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so then they go back and then we transition into high school and then it gets really, really real in high school. And that's when you can just hear a pin drop and I'm able to touch on different things, whatever the school really, I kind of formulate it. I'll talk ahead of time to the school and say, what are the main issues that you think your kids would like, would need to, to hear something addressed about, you know, whether it's identity or if the school's just had a suicide, it'll be mental health awareness, suicide awareness, or if the school's not big on the whole suicide, maybe they'll just say, man, we just uh, anti-bullying or yep. social media, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, it's always something that I can talk about in my story that I can focus on what the school wants to hear about. So so we'll do that. And then at the very end, I'm like, I tell them the people I've been on stage with by the time I get to Gucci Mane and Drake, they're like, oh my gosh. I'm like, y'all want to hear my music? They're like, yes, yes. going crazy. So we perform the music and we turn up and then uh, and then I leave and spend 10, 15 minutes trying to sign autographs where I can never get to everybody because it's crazy. But, uh, but man, it's, it's an impact that's made on the school that lasts from what I hear uh, much longer than, than the amount of time that I'm there. So. Yeah. That's what it looks like. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you know, I love it, man, because of all that, like, it's, um, it's kind of like you paid your, like, you paid the price to, to, to do what you do. Do you know what I mean? Like, all that, there's, there's a lot of emotional pain invested by you up front because without all those stories, all through junior high and high school and all the struggle, even in elementary school, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have the story. You wouldn't be who you are today. Yeah. That's so, a fact. And so, although, I think that's such a great message, you know, and maybe kids get that subconsciously, like, although it sucks right now and it hurts right now, yes. but man, this is, this is, you're writing the book, man. This is the chapter after chapter that you're writing this, the way this story ends up is going to be amazing. Yes. Yeah. I love that. That's what I asked. That's, that's all I want to be is an example of somebody that was right where you're at in your seat, feeling hopeless, feeling lost. And, uh, and, and look at me now type deal. You, you can do the same thing. You, you have a purpose too. Yeah. Signing autographs. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's awesome, right? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it can get just crazy, man. Like I, I've learned because I used to just be like, all right, who wants an autograph? Come see me, and then I'll have four hundred kids around me, and I'm like getting 
like you would think it's like oh it's little 10 year old 11 year old 13 year old girls and boys like they you're six five you know like they man when there's a hundred of them surrounding you and they're all it's like man okay so i learned how in order all right let's make a single file line have what you want ready i have my marker and i'm gonna go and just make it organized and the teachers are much more thankful for that but like we just i try to run through everybody and the kids are like sign my face sign my shirt sign my phone sign my i've signed i've signed the craziest things you would not believe i've signed biscuits from lunch i've signed man just cra- I, I had a kid ask me to sign a biscuit and i signed his biscuit and he ate it right in front of me i was like what in the world man what is life man <laughs> i was like oh my goodness man i love it hey man i can't thank you enough for being here dude i mean your whole story what you got going on i really really appreciate it and uh, the fact that you're out there doing your thing making a difference in the lives of kids is just um i love it and man i'm proud of you Oh, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. And I, I've I've looked up what you do and I've got a, a huge respect for you, man. I would love to have you be somebody in my corner that I can I can look to for advice and just seek wisdom from, man, because I, I really respect what you do. And uh, I was excited about coming out today. I, I appreciate you having me out here. Awesome. All right, brother. High five. We're High done. Five, man.